Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right. Welcome, everyone, to We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Uh, I am in studio, which I'm not every week, as you know. I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, and I am board certified in addiction medicine. Wow, that was a cool thing, huh? And you are? Uh, Jared Miller. What? Substance abuse counselor. Okay. Yeah, buddy. What do you do for a living? I, I work at uh, Council Recovery Centers. Council People of Substance Abuse. Yeah, you got it. That's all right. And uh, let's introduce our producer. We got a producer in the corner. His name is? He's going to hit his mic here. Oh, hey, it's Sean. Sean. What's up, Sean? <laughs> How much, man? Sean, we're, uh, I plan on using you a little bit this podcast, partly because this is a topic that has a lot of um, public interest. And I, I think that Jared and I might come at this from a, a working in a treatment treatment industry uh, sort of thing, and we would prefer if we had a different point of view. Maybe you can chime in you a little bit. So normie, we want some normies. normies. We want some right. normie opinion. Don't let's do drugs. Let's All right, right. Uh-huh. podcast that over. Was, that was good. Well, that's not the opinion of some of the folks. But now let's can get inter- to some big news. <laughs> Whoa! Can, can I introduce the topic? Um. You may. All right. So you we're can introduce talking. it. The title of today's episode is Oregon Rethinks Decriminalization. If you've listened to past episodes, episode 51 that we did two years ago, we touched on some of this stuff. I'll give it back to Doc. Okay. So I, um, I have a, just a tiny problem with that title, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Let's get it. Because I want to talk about multiple things. Oregon is one of them, but Portugal for sure is another one. And I want to talk about these for a specific reason that I'll get into. But okay. before we get to the topic... We're going to touch on Oregon, right? Well, Oregon's like important. Size. Oregon is us, size. right? Yeah. I mean, Oregon's United the United States. States of America. That's it's, And they're the only one doing what they're doing. Right, right. They're, they were emulating Portugal, though. That's why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, anyway... But before we get to that, we have a beautiful podcast that is sponsored by... Well, I don't know if the podcast is beautiful, but we have beautiful sponsors <laughs> that sponsor our podcast, and uh, I think we should mention them as we speak. Thanks, Doc. Episode 143 is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is an adult substance abuse and mental health treatment provider. Steps Recovery Center provi- provides all levels of care. They have a medical detox facility, multiple residential treatment centers, and outpatient treatment services reaching from the top of Utah to the bottom. Recovery starts with you, and at Steps Recovery Centers, there is always hope. Here's what you need to do to get a hold of them. Give them a call at 801-800-8142 or visit their website at stepsrc.com to get connected or learn more. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Yeah, we do. It's also sponsored by... Rise Up Subs. Hit us a little, give us a little info on Rise Up Subs. Rise Up Subs is a nootropic line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. They have two powerful blends. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhances mood, while Mind Shift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. If you're interested in nootropics, check them out at riseupsubs.com. That's R I S E U P S U P S dot C O M. At checkout, punch in promo code PODCAST20 in all caps to save yourself 20% off your entire purchase. We that, appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. What's, what's the name of it again? Rise Up Supplements. <laughs> he's having wow. fun over there. Yeah, he's, with got, those. he's got some interesting things Man. going on. We got some sound effects. We got. It's almost like we're a podcast or something. Almost like we're a professional Weird. podcast. All right. Well... Let's kick it off. Um, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about today, and so I don't want to spend a ton of time, but I do want to do our normal new and goods. What's new and good in the world of Jared Miller? New and good today. I I sat down, I laid down for four hours and got a tattoo that I've been wanting for like mm. years. Mm. Yeah, so cool. that, that's new and good. It was that's cool. Good. Little yeah, tattoo therapy today. Yeah, good. Yeah, you know the thing I learned about tattoos. You want something that looks cool. Okay. You got to go through the pain to get it. Okay. It wasn't like, it's never fun. 
And people that say like, oh, my tattoo didn't hurt at all. Where did you get it? Yeah, right. Because my shin bone and my Achilles heel had one heck of a Uh, time this. Okay, so yes. (laughs) We all know some areas that are more sensitive than others. Got to earn it. And the heel would be a very sensitive area. (laughs) Right. And the Uh, the perineum. And the the perineum would be, uh, remind me of a joke that I once heard and I won't tell here. Um, That's what she said. Uh, once knew a girl named Perineum. Yep. No, I yeah, that's it. Let's don't lose ourselves um, in this new and good. No, no, no. But uh, front of the thigh sound, seems like a place that wouldn't hurt very much, right? Mm. The outside of the forearm doesn't seem like a place that would hurt that much. I've gotten that one, and it didn't hurt. Yeah. Like, at all. Yeah, but yeah. heel, feet. I'm telling you, ouch, my Achilles Front tendon, of the shin, out. In the shin. Oh, yep. buddy. Yeah, I think those, th- those things would be painful. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Want to know what my new and good is? Yeah, what's your new and good, Doc? What I don't you got have, going on? I don't have anything. No, no I'm, I'm I got, sure you got Well, I got one. a couple of things that I wanted to your talk about. Your outfits are always new and good, dude. My Look outfits are old and Rocking lazy. your master's. Thanks. I got stuff. I got a master's hat Golf. on. I got a, I got a shirt that's supposed to what depict the master's, but it's a, it's Pins and Aces is the Pins name of the brand. It's good looking, man. Yeah, they have some cool shirts. I like them. Yeah. Um, one of my new and goods that I really wanted to mention briefly is I used to do a, a thing called, uh, well, I used to do private detox for high-end clients, and we've done a number of people that are that were really high-end. And w- what we do is we provide detox services, but we do it in a pretty luxurious setting, and it's not for everybody. You make it private. You make it bougie. It's very private, but it's also very bougie, right? And so... Um, most people don't want to do that and can't afford that, and but some people do. And frankly, there are a few people that will not come to do detox in a normal hospital setting, right? Sure. They want their anonymity, or they, mm-hmm. you know, or they're just too pampered in life. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, we're aiming at that crowd a little bit, and we were aiming at that crowd. Well, I'm reviving that business, and so I've been working on that a little bit, and that's uh, fun. We got cards and. Working Very on our nice. website, and it's a little fun. I like Those it. are typically the same clientele that end up in, like, I have private clients that I see through an agency, mm-hmm. right? And it's because they want that anonymity. Right, yeah. right. That's, they, they yeah. Beca- Out- because they... Because You're sometimes supposed to have anonymity even in a treatment center, but they don't even, they're not even comfortable with that setting. Well, because their anonymity is sometimes broken by paparazzi, for example. Right. Like it's not just that Joe Schmo in the corner would find out that they're, but it's more like the nation might find out that they're in treatment. And yeah. uh, not everybody wants people to know when they're in treatment. So you got that cooking again. Yeah, we're cooking that up a little if bit. If you guys need a private detox, contact my guy Terry Sellers over here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is that like a cleanse? Yes, it's like the maple syrup, uh, right. Yeah. Right. a lemon Cayenne. juice cleanse. It's, it's a liver cleanse. That's mm-hmm. right. All you have to do, you just yep, you just drink apple cider oh, vinegar for good. a week. Oh man, right. sign me up. Nope, different thing. <laughs> oh, oh, well, you drink apple cider vinegar for a week and then pay us seven thousand bucks a day to do it. So it's great. <laughs> um, all right, so that's my new and good. Sean, you got a new and good? Uh, let's see. I'm on week three of gym, so I'm still going. Oh yeah, man, I'm on day two of something, exercise wise. Are you? Yeah. My guy. Got an man. app doing some stuff. We got some things. But it's day two. Like, Sean's on week three. Like, yeah. I mean, not I'm even. I'm sorry. Week, week three was hard. This is a hard week. There was a whole is lot that... of I don't want to go in my mind. Oh, that All initial right. motivation is right. starting to burn out. But you made it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's be. Let's... I made it. I didn't do the full workout that I normally do, but I was like, uh. Mm. All right, you okay. got there. You got there. Yeah. I'm going to give you credit for getting there. Here's the key. You drink the pre-workout, and then you're committed. Because once the caffeine hits, it's go time. Yeah. Or you drink the pre-workout and take a nap like me, because <laughs> caffeine doesn't affect me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get into our topic. It's I hard to, to hard to blend a maple donut. <laughs> Ooh, I love my, a maple, my maple donut. donut. Is that what your pre-workout is? My is maple ma- donut. Maple donut protein smoothie, right? I, I think you'd be surprised. I think it's relatively easy to blend a maple donut. <laughs> I will let you know next week. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We got tons of content. We got We're, we got the. Uh, BYU's got the uh, maple bar that you could hold on to one end and blend the other end while you're still holding on to the 24-inch maple bar. This wouldn't be okay. a podcast We're off with the rails. Dr. Sellers yep. if, it, if we didn't mention BYU. Yeah, by the way, that's new and good. BYU's basketball team is very good, but uh, <laughs> has been losing a few games because the Big 12 is a very difficult conference. It's all right. We're going to survive. We're still ranked 21st in the nation after losing a few games, so I'm good with it. 
We got a good ball team. All right. So let's let, let let me you introduce the sort of title of the topic. Let me introduce a little historical background of the topic, okay? Let's get it. So once upon a time, and this is essentially the year 2000, so 23 years ago or so, 24 years ago, um, Portugal, 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 <laughs> Portugal, <laughs> there's a country called Portugal now, Portugal decided to experiment with laws where they decriminalized all drugs and alcohol. Well, alcohol wasn't criminal anyway, but they decriminalized all drugs for personal use. Meaning? So you could not get a charge, a uh, an against the law charge uh -huh. for having drugs for personal use. And there are certain amounts, but there wasn't certain drugs. Any drug basically was legal for uh personal consumption, still illegal to sell and still illegal to buy. And traffic. So if you got caught selling or buying, you could you could get a you could get, get charged. Arrested. But if you really just got caught with stuff on you personal use. That was below a certain amount, no criminal charges at all. Hmm. And so um, people pointed to that because in the first number of years, it was relatively successful. Like, first of all, uh, the amount of people going to jail slash prison decreased quite a bit. Okay. The amount of overdoses really didn't change very dramatically. Mm. And so people in the United States start to pay attention to this and start to think, well, and particularly the more progressive parts of the United States, right? Such as Oregon? Well, such as Oregon, for example, which is why when you said the title, the title includes the state of Oregon. So that's, Oregon is our Portugal, essentially. Yeah. They, they, in fact, decided to decriminalize uh, possession of drugs, and it's almost all drugs, for personal use. Again, or so Oregon pulled this off somewhat after observing Portugal, but... One of the things that I wanted to mention is, so Portugal did it in the year, they talked about it in the year 2000, they actually passed the law in the year 2001, where personal use, drugs for personal use, were there, there's no criminal penalties, okay? Well, then come along in 2006, a group called the Cato Institute um, performed a study and showed a couple of things that that they used to prove that this decriminalization was something that was very successful. Yeah, because when you hear Portugal and you hear them doing this, a lot of people think or the, I guess, assumption is, is it's been successful in some kind of way. How do we measure that? Right. I think that's the, uh, and I think that is, yeah, that's absolutely true. This is why, this is why uh, Oregon even did this because Portugal was, quote, successful in doing this. Right. Now, let me tell you what the, the results of this Cato study. The Cato study, I said it was 2006, it's 2009, sorry. 2009 Cato Institute report. And it said a number of things which uh, are not totally true. So, um, following passage of law number 30 in 2000, which took place in 2001, Portugal refers cases of consumption purchase or possession up to 10 days worth of illicit drug to an administrative panel which makes recommendations for treatment, fines, warnings, or other penalties. Trafficking and cultivation of illicit substances as well as possession of quantities exceeding 10 days worth remain criminal offenses. Okay, so that's the law. That's yeah, what that's the it. law was in Portugal. Yeah. You can't really sell it. You can't really buy it. You can have up to 10 days worth on you. So what, what was the study they did? So they did this study, and here's what they think. So their, the study was been, has been cited as proof that softening drug laws does not increase illicit drug use or consequences of drug use. So that's basically, uh, that's, that's based mostly on findings of this 2009 Cato Institute report. But let me tell you some of the things that the Cato Institute report was deficient. In. So they're basically saying that it didn't make a difference. They're saying it didn't make a difference in bad outcomes. Bad outcomes being going to prison, deaths, uh, overdoses, 
that okay. sort of thing. They're saying decriminalizing drugs really didn't do much to make these other things worse. Okay. So, but it also, the, one of the things it did do for sure is it decreased the number of people going to jail or prison because it's no longer a criminal sure. offense to do so. percentages overall drop because right. you just dropped a huge portion of the population. Yeah. There are studies in the United States of America showing that the incarcerated population, approximately 85% of them have a drug-related problem, have a drug problem. Okay, but here's what, here's one of the things that the Cato Institute, here's a few of the criticisms. First of all, Cato Institute report does not discuss the statistical significance of the data shifts it highlights, sometimes focusing on prevalence rate changes as small as eight-tenths of a percent. Hmm. So they're saying if overdose deaths went down eight-tenths of one percent, that means they decreased. Well, statistically, those things aren't always true, right? Statistically, and there is this thing called statistical significance. And I know that some of the folks listening aren't going to really care much about statistical significance, but it is not proper in a medical scientific study to say something happened if it's not statistically significant. So a drop eight in tenths wouldn't be statistically drop of eight tenths of a percent is rarely going to be okay. reach statistical significance. Now, I don't want to do statistics here. We got way too we have way too much to talk about and not enough time, but eight tenths of a percent could be statistically significant in a study that had ten million people in it. Right. Sure. But that's a, a lot of people. But in a study with a few thousand in it, there's no way that's ever going to reach statistical significance. Okay. Evidence may reflect law 30 slash 2000's adverse social effects, such as the increase in drug-related deaths in Portugal between 2004 and 2006. Some of that evidence is downplayed or not given equal recognition. So, for example, let me read you a couple of these things that... Uh, that the study showed, which they highlighted, but a couple of other things that it showed that they didn't highlight. So, as proof of drug legalization success, the report trumpets a decline in the rate of illicit drug use among 15 to 19 year olds from 2001 to 2007. That's a big deal. Hmm. Less drug use after they after they softened the laws and after they decriminalized almost all possession. Less drug use from 15 to 19 year olds, and they made a big deal out of that. Interesting. Yeah. It's a big deal. Well, that's probably why people deemed it as a success. It's a success, right? But they ignore increased rates in 15 to 24-year-olds. Oh, so they left so that out of there. 15 to 19-year-olds dropped, but 15 to 24-year-olds increased. Increased. And an even greater increase in the 20 to 24-year-old population over the same period. So the report emphasizes decreased in lifetime prevalence use rates among the th basically the 13 to 18, 19-year-old age group. But it ignores the fact that the, some of the other groups went up. You know what the problem with some of so these studies are? We're successful because this group dropped, but then they don't even say anything about this group that increased. Yeah. The problem with these studies is groups like Kano from Mortal Kombat or whoever these Kato. people are. that Kato, who was... Uh, who's Kato, Sean? Um, Pink Panther's... Uh, <laughs> no, no, that was Green Hornet. Oh, it was yeah. also the guy okay. in uh, Nicole Brown Simpson's house. Oh, yeah, Kalen, Kato Kalen, yeah. yeah. That's a stretch one. Yeah, These organizations one. have an that's, agenda. That's typically what Nicole Brown said. That's typically um, why they leave some stuff out and include some stuff, right? So this Cato right. or whatever the heck they're called. The Cato Institute. Cato Institute, I'm sure, had some type of, you know, motivation to find the statistics that it found, publicate those. You know what I mean? That's the problem with so a lot of these. Here's, here's, so, yeah, so studies, if you've ever read medical studies, they, they basically report all the results. But at the end, they have what they call con a conclusion section where they comment on the results, right? Or and they interpret the results. Sometimes, right. And sometimes when they do that, they emphasize certain things yeah. and leave out other things. And they do that, frankly, in an attempt to sway sure. pub public opinion or people's opinions. Or private interest groups' opinions. So here we go. Um they showed decreases in lifetime prevalence rates for the 13 to 18-year-old age group from 2001 to 2006 for heroin use 
and also in the 16 to 18 year old group from 95 to 2005 in heroin use. But once again, it downplayed increases in the lifetime prevalence rates for the 15 to 24 year old. 24-year-old age group between 2001 and 2006, and for the 16 to 18-year-old age group between 1999 and 2005. A lot of reading there and a lot of numbers, but the point being, the the actual number and the, isn't so relevant. What it's saying is this Cato report, which everyone lauded and said it's the greatest thing, and this is why Portugal's so successful. The Cato report showed that some things increased, but they didn't really comment on it. And mm. they downplayed it quite a bit and only commented on and boosted and lauded the things that decreased, the things that were better, but sure. ignored the other things. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So here's my thoughts. Just if listeners are thinking this, here's kind of my thoughts. When it comes to this podcast, a podcast about recovery from addiction, we're talking about a specific population of people and why this is a bad idea for that specific population of people. In my mind, I don't need a Cato study to tell me the more accessible something is, the more abuse there's going to be, right? And sure, there are people out there that can recreationally or socially use these things, but in the population that we care about, I feel like this would be devastating. Sure. Uh, that's that's a great point, and I think we're going to get to that mostly in the second part of this. But, right, we we want to be careful when we're talking about this stuff, right, because we're this podcast is talking to people that struggle with substance abuse mm-hmm. issues. They're not a population. Our population that listens to this podcast and you and me are not going to be a population that's ever going to benefit from from relaxing laws uh, for possession of drugs, because I have a real problem with I opiates. Would, I would be interested to find out of the care that they offer people, how many people actually take advantage of that. No, so that's a point that's uh, that's in here, and we got a few minutes left in this segment. So I want to talk a little bit about this that. This is in but, Portugal, right? Right. And but, is this the same article that you sent me about that they're revising this, or they're isn't yes. Portugal well, rethinking Port- their Portugal stance on this? Portugal is definitely rethinking their stance on this, and we'll get to just that. Just like Oregon. We'll yeah. get to that, the reasons why, in just a second. But there's a couple of things I wanted to point out. First of all, drug-induced deaths, which decreased in Portugal from 369 a year in 1999 to 152 a year, so from 369 to 152 in 2003. So they're saying, this is great news, right? We're mm. having less deaths well, it was a five-year study, and it, the law had only been in effect for five years. Sometimes that's not long enough to really sort out things, right? Because in the year 2022, Portugal had 1,100 overdose deaths. Yeah. So they looked fentanyl became super right, prevalent. Right. And yeah. so there's way more deaths now than there was prior to the relaxation of these laws and to this Cato Institute study, right? And so um, I, I think that one of the things that I wanted to get to, particularly in this very first segment, is everyone jumped on this study and looked at Portugal as this model of relaxing laws. And I've heard it over and over. Well, Portugal did it, and they're successful. Oh, Portugal this, Portugal that. Everybody Portugal's, throws out right. Portugal, yeah. You hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Oregon heard that. And that's why Oregon decided to do what they did, and that is relax their laws for uh, mostly possession but as I also, well. I also think, from my understanding, Portugal does things different because they both decriminalized, right? But what Port- Portugal offers, they, t- they basically took the money that they were getting from traffic um, seizure, from right. seizures of narcotics, from, right. and they were putting it towards... They took the money they were using for law enforcement and directed it more towards treatment. Right. Yep. So they they created an avenue, a resource for people not to go to jail, but to get help. Right. And that's where I stand on this. Listen, I don't think jail's the right place for the 85% of the population who's incarcerated, but I also don't think like doing nothing and just giving a ticket or a warning is going to help either. Clearly the rallying cry of those folks that are into harm reduction, that is addiction is not a criminal problem. It's not a legal problem. It's a healthcare problem. Yeah. And so that's a great rallying cry. 
but unfortunately, people that use drugs commit crimes it, other than just the drugs. Let me ask you this before we hit break. Yeah. If you didn't yeah. get in trouble Ten with seconds. the law, would you have been as motivated to change your lifestyle? I would not have changed my lifestyle, no. See, I There's no the chance thing. I would have changed my lifestyle. If they didn't have some kind of leverage on me, if I didn't have prison ha hanging over my head, right. I don't know that I would have stayed clean long enough to get right. the benefits that I'm enjoying today. Great point. All right. We'll be right back with you guys after this short little break from our sponsors, Steps Recovery Centers. Thank you guys for listening. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. If you or your loved one is trapped in the cycle of addiction, there is a way out. At Steps Recovery Center in Utah, we believe in second chances and new beginnings. Our evidence-based treatments, compassionate staff, and supportive community guide you on the path to recovery. It is time to reclaim your life. Take the first step towards freedom, resilience, and a brighter tomorrow. Reach out to Steps Recovery Centers today. Recovery starts with you. And at Steps, there is always hope. Call us or visit our website to learn more. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Part two. Um, oh, I got... I didn't pay attention very closely. What what episode is this? One 143. 143. Okay. Episode 143, we do recover with Jared Miller. We've been talking a little bit about what's going on in Portugal and uh, heading into Oregon, and we'll get there in just a second. But before we do, part two is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn. Now, the Hilton Garden Inn, I don't know if you know this, but it's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. And that is true. Uh, they have a wonderful group of uh, employees that treat everyone well. Rooms are nice. The facilities, the rooms are large. I like that about it. And the facilities are very clean. Pool's great. If you happen to be traveling through southern Utah and you need a place to stay, please look those guys up. Hilton Garden Inn, St. George. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. Yes, we do. All yeah, right. Hey, Jared. Jared. Yeah. 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 Put your phone on silent. Yeah. It is on silent. Thanks. I'm Appreciate not that. sure what happened. Not on vibrate. I was trying uh, to like, like set the silence. mood for the Hilton Garden Inn. Oh, that was but yeah, it, it did kind of have like a like a walk into a lobby yeah, musical was, sound to it type thing. My bad, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was my meditation playlist. There you go. All right. Well, um, let's start with, so we got to, uh, I want to play a little bit of a clip that you pointed out. So, uh, Sean, why don't you get, why don't you just play that right now? Give me a second. It's a little here. bit of a news report. This is brand new, too. Yeah. January 23rd, 23rd of 2024. Right. This is brand new stuff. Right. Now let's get to some big news today about Oregon's Measure 110 and what Democrats hope to change in the upcoming legislative session. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle admit 110 is flawed, but they have different opinions on how to fix it. It should come as no surprise that the Democrats' plan does not go nearly as far as Republicans want, especially when it comes to recriminalizing drug use and the strings attached to that reintroduction of that crime. Blair Best has our story. Tuesday at the state capitol. Oh, do you want the whole thing? Or? Yeah. No. Oh, oh no, that's that's good. Good. it's like seven addiction. minutes. Yeah, it's long. like seven minutes long. All right, so. we can stop, we can stop with that. So interesting things about that clip. First of all. Democrats and Republicans both, they disagree on how to do it, but they both agree that in Oregon, the decriminalization hasn't worked as well as they thought it would. So they are now looking at ways to re-criminalize drug use slash possession. Uh, and both, I mean, typically you would think that the the left, more progressive side of the argument would be the people that would be against recriminalization, but even the Democrats in Oregon, and trust me, a Democrat in Oregon is different than a Democrat in Utah. Um, the For Democrats sure. in Oregon agree that that experiment didn't work nearly as well as they thought it was going to, or nearly as well as they thought the Cato Institute study showed in Portugal. Mm. Yeah. So both sides. Need, yeah. There's a big enough sample size now where they're going, 
overdoses are up, crimes up, pollution's up, graffiti's up, right? Like we're losing order. This is also a state that did the defund the police thing. I don't want to get right. into the politics of that, but that probably had a big role in all the right. disaster that's kind of happened since well, then. Well, when you dec- when you decrease the budget of police, you have to do one of several things. You either have to pay everybody less or you have to have less of everybody to pay. Good point. Right? And so the, the police get overworked. Now you're going to tell me I have to write a citation for you have to appear before a panel. Like, um, they're not motivated to do that. Cops are just not motivated to do that because it doesn't change behavior, right? That same guy will be back on the street after he goes in front of the panel in in a week or two. Right. The same guy will be still there. You didn't change behavior. If you actually think that writing something, a citation, might improve the neighborhood, might get rid of the encampments and the garbage and the then you're more motivated to write that i want to point out that in portugal one of the things that was pointed out in one of these articles is in portugal it's illegal to smoke a cigarette within a certain amount of area from that proximity to a school it's illegal to smoke cigarettes those areas are now littered with all of the trash and refuse of the state-funded syringes and needles that everyone's getting right. All the and the citric acid to mix it up with and the the, the schools are littered with that stuff. Mm. You can't smoke a cigarette outside. Mm. It's illegal in Portugal to advertise sugary foods and soda pop. Interesting. But it's legal to possess methamphetamine. Interesting. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like there's got to be there's got to be a balance here, and I'm I don't think that people that have substance abuse problems. I do think that it is a um, mental health problem. I don't know that it's necessarily right. Like a there are some crimes that go along with drugs right. for sure, but the actual use of drugs itself, typically, I would I would say is a a mental health problem. So here's my big thing is. What are we doing? So there's the problem, but what solutions are they offering, right? right? Because so far what they've just done is given people a ticket. Right. So I know here in the state of Utah, we have like diversion. You hear these diversion centers that are starting to open up. We need to get somebody on here to, it's from one of those diversion centers to oh. maybe help us understand it a little bit if you know anybody. Well, I got a guest, but uh, I don't know how well it would go. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, so, so yeah, like the drug use is, is the problem from a mental health standpoint. How do we get, if we don't have leverage from a legal standpoint, how do we motivate or interrupt that impulsive urge to continue to use despite negative consequences? Right. So basically what proponents of these types of things uh, are telling us we should do is a lot of a lot of these proponents of this kind of stuff are into harm reduction, right? Okay. They love harm reduction. Harm reduction is okay, we're going to provide free needles cuz they're right. clean and it won't people won't get HIV or hepatitis C from a needle. But it Helps them use because they don't have to spend money on a clean needle. Now they're getting a free needle, right? So, and, the th- and I think there might be a place for harm reduction, but I feel like we're still missing a piece of the equation. We're, there's definitely a place for harm reduction. The yeah. problem is harm reduction can't be the only correct. Like it can't be the only line of defense against drug use. It can be a small part of the quote-unquote war on drugs or whatever you want to call that, it can be a small part of it, but it can't be the the, uh, the large part of it, Yeah, right? I You're mean, trying to put a Band-Aid on a gushing wound. Right. You don't. There's not enough support there. There's not enough structure. There's not enough stability to be able to mend it and heal it. Right. Let alone clean it out. And, and you can make a case, lots of people have, and they still are making this case for possessing small amounts of drugs should be legal. I don't necessarily have a giant problem with that. It's the stuff that comes along with it. Okay, people that are using drugs commit crimes that they wouldn't commit if they weren't using mm-hmm. drugs. A lot of your right? theft, a lot of your yeah theft for sure. Because right? financially, they're motivated when they're going through withdrawals, right? In other words, if if you don't have any money and you're going through withdrawals, especially you know some of these heavy ones like heroin, you might seriously consider walking into the mall, grabbing a you know 
t-shirt TV. out of the buckle or a pair of jeans and walking out. Yeah. Yeah. That's very uh, common. I've, I was reading in one of the articles that I sent the, uh, I was reading where some lady was talking about how there was a guy outside of her uh, gated community sort okay. of okay. that was uh, just outside her fence. No pants on, you know. Mm. People that aren't high don't do that, right? Yeah. Unless they're homeless and can't afford pants. And that's a possibility too, but I'm telling you, this guy sounds high to me. For sure. People that are high do things when they're high that they wouldn't do when they're not high. You and I did it. Yeah, for sure. I did a lot of stuff when I was either high or seeking drugs that are against what I normally would do in my life. Yeah, that's... Mind-altering substances, right? Right. right? So you, you you give people mind-altering yeah. substances in the it, you, this this there's this movement out there that people have. One of the doctors in one of these studies said that people have a right to lifetime drug use. Hmm? Well, if people could use drugs in the in the confines of their peaceful home. And never have it affect anyone else. I don't know that I have a problem with that. Again, we're talking about two different populations. There's right. people that use it recreationally, right. and then there's the people that are addicted, and it literally ruins their life. The problem it starts to ruin society's life around them. The problem comes is that people that are wildly affected by the drug, they're high. Don't stay in the confines of their own home when they're high all the time. Sometimes they get behind the wheel of a car, and sometimes they kill relatives of yours and mine. Sometimes they kill themselves. Sometimes they kill you and me. Sometimes they go out into public and steal and rob. And I have not—I really don't have much of a problem if if you could tell me that everyone that uses drugs is going to do it in their own home and stay there. Then I I say let's legalize all drugs for in-home use. I I could get behind that, right? Okay. I I don't know if I really would get behind that, right? Because <laughs> because you and I deal with people that we know that this doesn't just make you high for a minute. Sometimes it ruins people's lives. Yeah. Like mine and yours, and most of our audience, I'm guessing. So let me ask you this: How would you like for it to be dealt with if you agree that it's a mental health problem? Right? Maybe throwing them in jail is not the answer. Right. What does that look like in your mind? Well, I, I don't know. I don't, uh, I got to be honest with you. I don't totally hate uh, making a criminal. I don't. I, I think that, is it, is it, does it, has it worked great? No. But did decriminalizing make it better? No. No. In fact, it has made it worse. Right. The problem is worse now. If you now look at Portugal, if you now look at Portland, if you now look at those places, like they're putting bar fences in front of alleyways in Portugal so that people don't just go live there and throw all their refuse there, right? Right. Throw all their garbage there and throw empty needles and right. all of that stuff. There, the, the impact on the public has been fairly dramatic. And so these places that tried this realize, again, all the harm reduction people was, were saying it was going to help. It didn't help. It didn't help the problem at all. In fact, it probably made it worse. Like I said, drug overdose deaths in Portugal last year were 11, or 2022, were 1,100 in that year, whereas before this study started in 2001, it was 300, no, 280 or 290. Yeah, huge jump. Huge right. jump. So it's I think, not I think that. exactly what they're looking at. Um, I like the idea of making it so back, I'm going to sound old here, back in my day, uh, back in the days when I would get arrested for a possession charge, it was a felony. That's hard to come back from. Right. It is. It does affect your life quite a bit. No question. If we're talking about a pendulum swinging here, it was definitely in the far left category. Sure. It was, you got a felony on your record now, right? That prevents you from getting employment. That prevents you from getting housing. That prevents you from voting. That prevents you from bearing arms. Pretty big deal. The decriminalizations, that would, pendulum swung clear into the right would take side, that felony right? completely away. It takes everything away. There's right. no criminal charge. Right. Not even I a think, misdemeanor. I think right in the middle is perfect. I like how the state of Utah is doing it now. And I'm not saying that we're the best. I'm sure there are some things that we can do to be better. But I think there has to be some type of leverage. And frankly, for those people that are saying, well, it's their body, it's their business. Okay, until it's not. Right. 
until they get behind DUI, the wheel of the car, until, until it's taken out of the violence, public, right. until it's right, until they ruin their kids' lives. Yeah, and some of that stuff, I'm, I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating. I do this every day. Like right. I get these records and these stories every single day. So, for the people that are just smoking some pot in their house, you know, if that, if you can do that and be peaceful and loving, and that's great, that's fantastic. You're not the population I'm talking to right now. Right. Right. That population of people that continue to use despite negative consequences, continue to use, even though their life is falling apart, there needs to be some type of leverage, some type of motivation to get them to change. A class C misdemeanor is not that big of a deal. Maximum of 30 days in jail, $1,250 fine. You can recover from that. As a person, you can recover. You absolutely can recover from that. And guess what? Especially if they hold it in like an abeyance process or, you know, some type of um, where they're willing to take it off your criminal record. See, there's there's the thing that my mind goes to when you're talking is these efforts that we've had recently at being able to expunge your record if you can prove you're clean. Yeah. like I love that. Let's do that, right? If you're still using, I don't think you should be able to expunge that drug-related charges off your record because you're still using. But if you get clean... And the whole thing was related to drugs. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I think it's the same way that we take a look at, like, if somebody's having a mental health episode, if they're having a, a mental health crisis, you know, and, and police are called because, you know, people are scared and it's disturbing the peace, whatever the situation, they don't take them to jail. They take them to the BMED. They take them to the hospital. They take right. them to get services. Right. And so I'm really excited to take a look at the, these, what are they called? Deferment. Yes, facilities okay. where people can go in, in lieu of jail if they choose, right? How many times have you heard in a group, getting arrested was the best thing that happened to me? Right, right. Because you they, and I can testify to that, right? You get to that a was point part of where me you getting can't better. Stop and you want help, but you don't know how. This thing's stigmatized, it's illegal, it's scary. And so sometimes when people get arrested, they're like, thank God, because I was on a suicidal path. So giving them the option to be able to go to some type of deferment center where they can gain resources, let's mm -hmm. get them on some health care, mm -hmm. you know, let's physically take care of them to the point where some of their abscesses are getting cleaned up and right. let's get them tested for HIV and let's make sure they're not malnutritioned and let's right. get them to the point where they physically can be stable enough to continue from that point. Because let's be honest, a lot of times there's some people that get brought to jail that frankly die. Right. If you're an alcoholic and they just throw right. you in the drunk tank and you start seizing up, you need medical attention. Right. So anyways, I, I just, I'm really encouraged by, by kind of what I'm seeing with these deferments. I think it started in my old County, Davis County, shout out to Davis County. See, but here's the thing. I think we look at those things as, so the rallying cry that I mentioned earlier of drug use isn't a, shouldn't be a criminal problem. It's a, it's. Not it shouldn't be treated by the court systems, and that I, I, in a way, I sort of agree with that, right? So their their alternative is let's not send them to jail, let's send them to treatment. Nobody's going to treatment unless they. Portugal <clears throat> has these what they call dissuasion committees. Okay, you have to appear in front of this dissuasion committee if you get caught with. Uh, something that you're not supposed to have on you. If you got more than 10 days worth or whatever, you got to go to this dissuasion committee. The dissuasion committees always recommend treatment. No one's going. Like the, the people that actually go to treatment are exceedingly rare. And so people are, uh, the government in Portugal, and I assume Oregon, but I don't know this, uh, but in Portugal for sure, they, they directed funds more towards building more rehab centers and building more facilities that could treat people with drug use problems and they're empty. They're not really? empty. That's a giant exaggeration. They're not overflowing. But but at least the people that are choosing to go have some internal motivation and they have a resource and a way to get help. Well, good for those people, right? Based on my Good for those people. But again, the point that I want to that I want to get to before we run out of time, we got seven more minutes, but I've always made this point, and I've made it on this podcast a number of times. People quit using drugs when the pain of continuing is greater than the pain of quitting. Yeah. But you, right? you and I both know whether they become incarcerated or whether they choose to return to treatment. If, they're, if they want to use, they're going to use. But 
What keeps them from using? The pain of using. Well, now we're talking some Macaulay McCulkin. Or right. So the pain, the pain of using to What's that Macaulay guy's name? Culkin. No, <laughs> Kevin McCauley. Kevin McCauley. Now we're talking some Kevin McCauley when in Pleasure Unwoven when he talks about with a big enough stick, right. you can deter him. Right. And yet the disease still lives. Right. But I will say that the point you made earlier, without the threat of losing my license, I wouldn't be clean today. Oh, absolutely. Right. And that's a punishment which the harm reduction people hate, and it is a punishment, and I get it. I wouldn't be clean today without right. it. Yeah. And I totally believe that. Like without I said, the risk of going to jail I'm or intru- not being able to practice medicine, I'd still be using I'm I opiates. I if you ask me my opinion right now, I'm going to sit in the gray. I don't think that a, a felony is appropriate. I don't. I don't think that nothing except for a ticket or appearing in front of a committee is appropriate either. I think you have to have there has to be some type of, you know, action taken for the sake of the individual because the harm reduction people can say all they want. Well, this is, you know, it's unfair. It's punishing the person. And at the same time, some people need a break. Some people need a period of time where they can get clear headed. So it's not in their, well, it's in their best interest is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. For me, I got to a point where I was first ordered to treatment. I was like, screw that. Screw this. All I could think about was using. And by the end of it, I had enough clean time and enough clarity to go, this is kind of cool. Yeah. My life isn't, I'm sh- not homeless I anymore. Consider this I have a roof over my head. Right. I have employment. I have a girl that talks to me. Right. Man, life just got a whole lot better than it was, right. you know, 12, 12 months ago. Right. I mean, one of the harm reduction, another rallying cry is it's a victimless crime. Well, okay. Mm, I don't like It's that. different, right? If yeah. you take, no, we don't punish diabetics when their blood sugars get too high. And so they're going to point to that and say, well, we punish drug addicts when their symptoms rear their ugly head, too. Well, when their symptoms rear their ugly head, it hurts families. That's what I was just going to say. It hurts society. Portugal looks like a dump now. You can't walk around Portugal without stepping on needles, and you can't go in an alley without, you know, all kinds of— I've never heard a story of a diabetic breaking into a car to get money for insulin. Right. They should, though. Although, let's be honest, insulin prices have gone gone way up. If I was diabetic, I would be. Yeah. (laughs) But you're right, because the desperation to have normal blood sugars isn't the same as the desperation to— Avoid your emotions. Well, I think, too, one's more socially acceptable than the other. Right. You know what I mean? Like, a big part of all this stuff, in my opinion, is stigma. You know, people are afraid to—it's a moral defect. People think it's a moral defect to admit that they have a substance abuse problem. Right. And again, like, if you're a recreational user, you're somebody that can control your use. If you have enough stability and enough love and enough support in your life that you can do mushrooms every six months and— or even cocaine or whatever, like, good for you. That's that's great. I would hate to see what happened if you lost some of that stability and you used recreationally. Because from my experience, that's how most people end up getting my services. Right. Well, we, we know that. We know that there are some of us out there, and the number might be 7% of the population. It might be higher than that. It's not 100%, and it's not 0%. There are some people that actually have the disease of addiction that they can't, again, if, if people could use drugs in the confines of their home and never leave it when they're using drugs or high, I could be persuaded to make that legal. But that's not what happens to those of us sure. who get hooked. Well, and, and everybody has the, the um, vulnerability to become an addict, right? We all have a brain. It all releases dopamine. We're all at risk to different degrees. Here's my thought. A speeding ticket is against the law. You break the law when whoa, you speed. Whoa, whoa. You just got a speeding whoa, ticket on your way whoa. down here. Wait. Hold on. Let me wait, f- wait. let me finish this what thought. If, what if my wife's listening? Don't tell her that. <laughs> Jeez, I'm going to be in trouble. Here's the thought. From a society standpoint, by not speeding, what are you doing? Um, by not speeding, what am I doing? I am at a lesser risk of crashing my car. and Which keeps cra- you safer. Yes, and maybe other people safer as well. Absolutely. So people can look at this discussion and go, criminalizing it makes it, you know, it's a punishment. Well, so speeding. But they both, from a society standpoint and from a you as a human being standpoint, it's what's best for you and it's what's best for society. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. So in a way, it's it's love. Like, I, I get it. Nobody wants to be in trouble with the law, but in a way, it's love. It's, hey, your life is getting off track here. 
to the point where there's these negative consequences, let's put in some guardrails to help you kind of get back on track. Well, same I, thing with a speeding ticket. Slow down, dude. You're putting yourself and other people at risk, right? It's the same concept. Again, I think because you and I deal with the clientele and the people that we deal with, we don't see, I don't see putting drugs and alcohol into your body as a positive thing hardly ever. Like I just, yeah, I don't think it's positive. Now, people are allowed to make negative choices for themselves. Sure. But if it involves any other people, then I'm sort of against that, right? But you're never going to get me saying, oh, yeah, there's no damage done by drinking. It's a poison. No, there's damage. I'm interested to see what Oregon does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely looking at revising some It's things. funny. I actually showed a, the Huberman, Huberman podcast. He, he does a little, uh, he does an episode on alcohol uh-huh. and how, like, he debunks this whole, like, a right. glass of a red glass wine, of wine is... Helps your like, heart. And, no, right. like, you're drinking poison. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And he goes into how it affects the brain and all the... It's a, it's a cool one if you want to cross, you know, well, we check can, out the Human we, Podcast. We're down to about 45 seconds left, but uh, we could keep going on this topic for a while. It's an interesting topic to revisit, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people that will disagree with some of the things that I had to say and with maybe some of the things you had to say. Yeah. That's fine. I may look to get somebody on here. I've got a friend that's a big harm reduction fanatic, and she would probably... I love when people disagree with me because yeah. it gives me the ability to take a look at their perspective and their opinion and consider it. So yeah. that's great, man. Sean, take us out. Say, say, <laughs> yep, there you go right there. You know the thing, I'll take us out. One of the things that I really appreciate is we did this episode 51 two years ago. Yeah. Here we are two years later still doing episodes, following up with that original story. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Good. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, and we will be Thank back next week. Thank you for joining week. us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from a podcast studio.